talk about World War II, of course, those names should come up immediately from Joseph Stalin to Winston Churchill and all the way to Adolf Hitler. Those are the people who almost shook the world, or should I say, completely changed the world, according to the historians. However, there are still some unknown figures who also contributed to the outcome to the war and also changed the destiny of America. For example, how much did you know when I say the name Anna Rosenberg? Not much, right? So that's why today in this episode, we're going to talk about this woman, of course, along with a brand new book, which is entitled The Confidant, the untold story of the woman who helped win World War II and shaped modern America. And this amazing book is written by Mr. Christopher Gorham. Now, Christopher is a lawyer and a teacher of modern American history at Westford Academy outside Boston. He has degrees in history from Tufts University and the University of Michigan, where he studied under legendary historian Sidney Fine. Of course, he is the author of the book, which, which we just mentioned. So in this episode, we're going to talk to Christopher regarding this amazing book. Well, Christopher, welcome to The Missing Piece. Welcome, Will, and welcome to your listeners. Well, Christopher, again, we're very excited about this conversation. Now, again, as we mentioned before, you wrote this book, which is entitled The Untold Story of the Woman Who Helped Win World War II, and the name is Anna Rosenberg. I know, typically speaking, that you got this question a lot about what inspired you to write this book, but I want to ask the question in another way, is how did you discover Anna Rosenberg at the first place and what motivate you to decide to use her create this wonderful and should I say amazing book? Sure, that's a great question. As you mentioned at the top of the show, I teach modern American history here in uh, the United States and uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. And with some of my students, uh, I well, I saw a picture of Anna Rosenberg with President Harry Truman. Mm. This is about five or six years ago, and the president had a big smile on his face, and there was this a very uh, a well dressed woman, and the caption said Anna Rosenberg, Assistant Secretary of Defense. Mm. And I thought, who is this well dressed, you know, well coiffed woman who's a, a top official in the American military establishment? And so uh, I went to look for a book on her. Who is Anna Rosenberg? And there were no books. Mm -hmm. So my students and I found that her papers were at Harvard, which is just a few miles from where we are. And we went down and looked at the Schlesinger Library at her papers. And the librarians pull out the crates of documents and papers and microfilm and photographs. And one of my students said, Mr. Gorham, come and take a look. And I opened up the box and there was handwritten letters from Harry Truman, from Franklin Roosevelt, Eleanor Roosevelt. General Eisenhower, Senator Lyndon Johnson, mm. President Lyndon Johnson, and Will, it was just a treasure trove of history, mm. and I decided right then and there to write the book. Well, Christopher, you know, again, based on the um, the book, of course, that you mentioned, Anna Rosenberg wasn't really born into a silver spoon with her ma in her mouth. Of course, that she, of course, she even wasn't born in the U.S., so correct me if I'm wrong, she was actually one of the immigrants that came to the country. But you know, interestingly speaking, that she was one of the immigrants who migrated to the country. How did she get the job 
to represent the U.S. in order to change the destiny of America. Because we know this, I guess, from this religious perspective, nothing really happened by chance. So what happened exactly to her and also regarding her assignment on behalf of the U.S. government? That's a great question. Her beginnings are in Budapest, Hungary. She was born to a, a well-off family in Budapest, Hungary around the, the turn of the century. And her father provided furnishings for Emperor Franz Joseph. And Franz Joseph basically broke the contract with Anna's father. And he was ruined financially. Mm. And he was so bad off financially that he left the country. He basically left Hungary and he sailed for New York and he started to rebuild his life. Mm. Like so many millions of immigrants, like you mentioned. And it took him two years. But after two years, he was able to call for his family and Anna and Claire and her mother. They joined him. Albert and his father was fiercely patriotic by that time. So in the two years of living in the United States, he had become fiercely patriotic. He the American flag brought tears to his eyes. Mm. He he you know, the, loved the Pledge of Allegiance and those types of things. And he instilled in those he instilled those those values and those, that love of America into it, to his daughter, Anna. And she also became fiercely patriotic at a very, very young age. So that was sort of the very beginning of what became this remarkable ascent up to the levers of power. Well, but Christopher, you think about it. Again, you mentioned that Anna Rosenberg, he was very patriotic towards the country. And of course, she had, should I say, either diplomatic or personal relationship with those significant figures again all the way from franklin roosevelt to truman and also to uh, uh general eisenhower etc but how did she able to stand out among those people because again correct me if i'm wrong you as a famous writer of course that we all know through all the histories women back in the days wasn't really or should i say were not really widely acknowledged so for a woman that again as an immigrant and migrate to the country simply speaking, wasn't just about her patriotism to the country. There got to be something special regarding her characteristics that shaped her and built her to pa to pave the way for her success in order to have this trust or relationship with the president or with the uh, people around the president. How did she able to accomplish all of those? Sure. Well, she had not only inherent talents and skills, but what changed the trajectory of Anna Rosenberg's life, and her married name is Rosenberg. She married around, right after high school. This is about the, the years of World War One. Mm. But when she was in her 20s, she was mentored by two people in New York, which really changed the, the future for her. One was Belle Moskowitz. Belle Moskowitz is, is a woman that was basically the, the chief of staff or the de facto chief of staff for the governor of New York. She was, a at the time, like you said, women did not have... Uh, levers of power. Mm. Bell Moskowitz, however, did have power, but she exercised it behind the scenes. She was a behind the scenes powerful force for the governor of New York. So she was writing speeches and writing legislation. She was talking to other lawmakers all behind the curtain. And she met Anna Rosenberg and, and brought her on as a protege and taught Anna how to exercise, how women could exercise power behind the scenes. She's sort of the political mother of Anna Rosenberg. Her political father was uh, part of the Tammany Hall machine, a very famous political machine that operated 
out of New York for mm. many, many decades. This guy, Jim Hagan, was a tough, bare-knuckled politician of the old school, and he taught Anna, you know, retail politics, how to knock on doors, how to pick up the phone and and make dozens and dozens and hundreds of phone calls and how to raise funds and how to move the needle politically in the city of New York. So by her 20s, by her mid-20s, Anna Rosenberg really has this political education that, you know, is like the PhD in New York City mm. politics. And it was a few years later where that power was brought to bear when she met Eleanor Roosevelt. Now, Eleanor Roosevelt was not yet the first lady, but she was the wife of the man that was running for governor of New York, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm. And Eleanor Roosevelt said, young lady, we could use someone like you on our team. And Anna Rosenberg at age about 28 was part of the team that helped Franklin Delano Roosevelt win the New York governor's race in 1928. Mm. And of course, you know, we didn't know that the Great Depression would then hit the country a year later, but that launched, in a way, launched his his political career up to the presidency because he did so well in New York that he was the leading contender for president uh, in the 1932 election, and he was going to bring Anna Rosenberg with him. Hmm. Christopher, uh, Christopher, again, I want to go back to the title of the book. Again, the first part is the woman, of course, referring to Anna Rosenberg, who helped win World War II. You know, again, I mean, again, I'm not really a, a fan of the big movies, but I know that we can easily use this title for an attractive movie or for this Hollywood uh, blockbuster. But again, help us to understand how did she actually contribute to the success of World War II for America? Because we know, again, when we talk about World War II, number one, it's complicated. And number two, it's not just about her. It's really about this collective effort, you know, this tenacity and this spirit of persistence, of course, that for men and women who sacrifice themselves for the success of the country. But this title is so appealing. It's the woman who helped win World War II. So again, what is the story behind this? And how did she actually contribute to the war for America in able to survive and also to prosper in the end? After the New Deal, after the Great Depression, Roosevelt is in his second term. And Anna Rosenberg has everything she's ever done, she's done successfully. So he, he brings her to Washington. And in the uh, months before World War to for America in the months before America's entry into World War II, she puts out a uh, she puts out a fire for the president by mediating a dispute between Black Americans who are being kept out of good paying defense jobs and the, the White House, mm. and that was a success. She did not only the morally right thing, uh, but but it was something that was able to, uh, to 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 strengthen the country at a time when the country country wanted to show strength. Then in 1942-43, the United States is now in the middle of the war in the Pacific and in Europe. And, of course, the factories all over the country, the shipyards, the airplane factories, they're all uh, cranking up and per, per, uh, uh, manufacturing all the tools of war. The problem is that the labor force was there, there weren't enough workers in some places. There was a surplus of workers in other places. Workers were jumping from job to job. There was absenteeism, all types of problems. Franklin Roosevelt calls upon the woman. Now he's calling Anna Rosenberg his Mrs. Fix-It. Roosevelt calls on his Mrs. Fix-It and stations her up in Buffalo, New York, where it was one of the major defense hubs of the country and says, you know, you got to fix this. She puts together, Will, uh, 
tens of thousands, almost a hundred thousand workers, you know, out of thin air. Mm. She gets married women, women with children. She gets black Americans again, who'd been discriminated against, who weren't being given the job. She, she, she convinces the leaders of Buffalo that black Americans need to be part of the solution. And they, and they are, she gets high schoolers, disabled Americans. She puts together a workforce of almost a hundred thousand people in Buffalo, New York, and it works. The contracts are all satisfied. The, the arms are sent to the, to the fronts where the men are fighting. Her plan in one magazine was called the Rosenberg plan and other magazines called it the Buffalo plan mm. was then rolled out nationwide. Mm. So when you think about the arsenal of democracy, uh, I think there's a tendency to think of it as sort of this monolithic thing that worked wonderfully, almost like you turned on a switch. But it was very dodgy in 1942 and 43 because of the, the labor situation. Anna Rosenberg fixed it, and she allowed the arsenal of democracy to fire on all cylinders. And that, of course, allowed the troops to fight with their fullest on the fronts of the war. Mm. Christopher, how do you think you can describe the relationship between Rosenberg with Franklin Roosevelt and, of course, with Truman? Again, I still remember the, the beginning of the conversation. You mentioned you saw the picture that Rosenberg stood next to Truman. Of course, we know that not everyone had the same opportunity or was could be given to the opportunity that stand next to shoulder to shoulders with the president. So we know that she contributed so much to, uh, to uh, America owing to her patriotism and of course the relationship with FDR and uh, Truman. But in general, how do you think we can describe that, again, uh, her relationship with those people? Because at some point, in reality, we know it's not easy to work with the president. It's not easy to really bend the rules and really have to tell the president to say, hey, listen, sir, with due and respect, that's not going to work. So how did she build her credibility with Franklin Roosevelt, even though she was the fixer? And how about Truman and how about other significant people around her? She was brilliant. She was hardworking. She was a problem solver. She was, she could fix things that other people, she could solve problems before other people even realized they were on the horizon. Mm. She was a tremendous listener. Will. she could, you know, Roosevelt was a great storyteller. He liked to, to tell his stories as a way to, to calm, you know, calm himself down during the war. Anna Rosenberg was a great listener. She herself could tell stories and, and make the president laugh and, you know, the two of them liked to spend time together, not only as a way to sort of de-stress, but to solve problems. You know, they could sit there in the Oval Office or the, the president's study and discuss the problems of the country. And Anna, of course, with the track record of solving so many difficult problems, you know, it was it was time well spent for Roosevelt. But she was genuine. Mm. She she was uh, she had a uh, the ability to because she had been in labor mediation as a young as a young uh, businesswoman, she could talk to truck drivers on a genuine way and use the language that they might use, a little, little saltier language sometimes, but she could also talk to titans of industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, quite literally, uh, the Rockefeller brothers, you know, she mentored two of the Rockefeller brothers. So mm -hmm. she could talk to, you know, someone of very modest circumstances and also talk to, you know, these young financial princes and, and be genuine to, to everybody. Mm -hmm. She could talk to women. Women adored her. Uh, and, and respected her just as much as men and, you know, men in, in the military, men in business, men in politics. You know, they saw that genuineness, the hard work, the great listening ability, the, the, the wit, the, the charm, 
um, and and the chameleon-like set of skills that she possessed that allowed her to talk to everybody and make them feel that they were the only person in the world that mattered. Well, Christopher, I think you can agree with me that unlike today's politician, that Rosenberg did not just talk the talk, but she actually walked the walk. So in other words, she clearly demonstrated the principles that action speaks louder than words, and instead of just paying the lip services. Now, I want to get to the second part of the title. You also mentioned this woman shaped modern America. Let's talk about the reality. Today, politically speaking, this country is standing at the crossroads. Again, it's not just about the word democracy. It's not just about the international relations. How do you think that Anna Rosenberg, her story and her journey and her empowerment actually shaped modern America? Because we know today the society is way more complicated and sophisticated than the period of the war. So why do you crown her that like that? The first thing goes back to the first way that Anna Rosenberg shaped what what became modern America. It goes all the way back to the World War II years when she was sent by Franklin Roosevelt to the battle zone in 1944 as his personal emissary. She traveled with the with the soldiers as they were fighting the Germans uh, across France, and she learned from them something that surprised her. They wanted an education when they got back. Mm. If they were lucky enough to survive the war and get back to the United States. They they didn't want to learn how to operate a new factory machine. They didn't want to learn you know dance lessons. They wanted an education, a college education. Now, will this generation had grown up in the Great Depression? Then they'd gone off to war.、Mm. You know, they, they had never dreamed of such a thing as college. For people in the United States at that time, college was、uh, you know college was the the, the, the privilege of of the wealthier、uh, people, the wealthier men really. And now we have a whole generation, millions and millions and millions. Of, you know, sort of ordinary Americans who want to go to college.、Mm. And when she learned that from the GIs in Europe, she came back. She told Roosevelt, and the the bill, the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944, was then added onto with educational provision after educational provision,、mm. and we of course know it as the GI Bill. And why that bill is important to democracy and to modernizing the country is it elevated millions of these, you know, soldiers. To the middle class, they came back to New York. You know, they went to NYU. They they came back to Chicago. They went to college and so forth. And they got those degrees. They became dentists. They became lawyers. They became business owners. And millions and millions and millions of Americans were elevated into the middle class in the in the 1950s. And that's really thanks to the efforts of Anna Rosemer back in World War II in 1944. Christopher, I know you're very busy. I got two more questions before letting you go, and I'll stay with me. Again, when we look at Anna Rosenberg, going back to her identity, that she was an immigrant, as you mentioned before, that she migrated to the country, and of course later on she was so patriotic, and she decided to be dedicated her life to the success of the country. But today, when we talk about the role of immigrants, when we talk about the people who are living in the U.S. as immigrants. How significant do you are do you think are those people today? And also from the embodiment of Rosenberg, how do you think that we should understand the contribution of immigrants?、Uh, clearly, I mean you teach history, and of course you study modern American history. How do you think that we should teach the younger generations, or even teach the world regarding the empowerment and also the contribution of the immigrant immigrants in this country today? What do you say to that, Christopher? Anna, of course, was an immigrant and a patriotic American 
And she was a believer in a pluralistic society. Mm. She had come from, you know, a pluralistic empire. But when she arrived in the United States, it was a pluralistic democracy. It was a pluralistic republic, a nation under laws. And she believed in that, that core belief that the United States at its best is a nation of immigrants. Mm. And that was a belief that never wavered. One, one commentator calls, calls the, the United States, uh, a symphony of civilization. You know, other people have used the term melting pot, but melting pot means everybody's sort of melted down and the, the result is the same. Mm. A symphony of civilization has is maybe the better phrase, <clears throat> in my opinion, because, you know, there could be, there's there's some instruments over here, there's others over here. They, they might not all <clears throat> sound beautifully until they're in tune. <clears throat> Beg your pardon. But the United States at its best, in my my belief is when we are a, sim- a symphony of civilization mm. when immigrants from around the world see america as that beacon of freedom they come to the united states to build a better life and that has contributed to american greatness for uh you know, you know since the last century and continues to do so today and i certainly am a believer in that um i think most americans would believe that uh, the nation of immigrants is who we are but of course, as you are well aware, there are reactionary forces that that want to see the United States as as a you know a, a whites only or a white Christian nation. And um, you know Anna Rosenberg obviously would disagree with that. You mm. know, a believer in pluralism, religious, racial, ethnic. That's what has made America great over the the decades. Well, Christopher, I totally agree with you. Now, I want to end our conversation by going back to the simple question I ask every single author. Again, going back to the point is your book is called The Confidant, the untold story of the woman who helped win World War II and shaped modern America. For everyone or for anyone that who has not heard or uh, um, learned before regarding Anna Rosenberg, when they finish reading your book, what do you hope the most that they are able to appreciate? So in other words, what is the most important message or the lesson you hope the readers can understand when they finish reading your book? Go ahead, Christopher. I hope that they finish the book seeing that one's voice can be heard and change the political trajectory of a country if you are well-informed if you are willing to dig up the data and present it, if you're willing to be consistent in your beliefs, if you're willing to be open-minded and open-hearted, you can change things. And whether it's housing equity, whether it's, um, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, any specific uh, political problem that you're trying to address. Mm. But the point is, is that if you're willing to engage as a citizen with maximum effort and with the information uh, behind you that you've done the homework you know you can change things what we see today will so much is performance politics mm. where not no problems are really being even addressed let alone solved you know anna rosenberg was the exact opposite of that she did it quietly behind the scenes a lot of people didn't even know that that her her hands were a, a part of that solution but she was solving massive problems and setting a trajectory for the country that allowed it to modernize and reach its its full greatness uh, both during and after World War Two. Well said, Christopher. Uh, Christopher, of course, again today that when we look at 
modern American political crossroads or look at the political struggles. On one hand, we understand this is not going to be solved overnight, or some of the problems not going to go away, you know, uh, uh, just by uh, talking points. But on the other hand, it's really the collective effort. And instead of thinking about the division, it's time to think about the unification. Of course, that again, there are so many lessons that we should learn from Anna Rosenberg. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to talk to Christopher Gorham. Again, Christopher is a lawyer and a teacher of modern American history at West Four Academy outside Boston. And I strongly encourage everyone to go online or go to the bookstore, check out this amazing book and written by Christopher, which is entitled The Confidant, The Untold Story of the Woman Who Helped Win World War II and Shaped Modern America. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and we hope and I pray that your book is going to go very well. And we'd love to have you back on the show as we continue to follow your book and also follow your new uh, publications. And again, regarding not only about America, but also around the world. And thank you so much for doing this.